So hello everyone, I'd like to welcome you all to the latest installment of Hydrocarbon Processing's podcast series, The Main Column. On today's episode, we are looking at nine steps for effective preparation of planned shutdowns. This podcast is adapted from the article of the same name, which is featured in the January issue of Hydrocarbon Processing Magazine. So with that, let's get on with the podcast. So planned shutdowns are critical events that can significantly impact production and expenditures. Poor planning and preparation can directly affect the success of any planned shutdown, making attention to detail imperative. Now, a successful planned shutdown requires familiarity with assets, maintenance activities, and relevant processes. And it also covers shutdown objectives, scope, and resources, and develop contingencies to address potential risk to optimize shutdown duration, enhance reliability, and uptime between shutdown cycles. Now, over the past few decades, the management of shutdowns has evolved appreciably and with some organizations establishing comprehensive shutdown management systems and stringent processes, while others manage shutdowns through the short-term appropriation of shutdown routines and principles without long-term strategies and objectives. So this podcast is gonna fill that gap and provide a step-by-step approach to shutdown planning and execution for organizations to adapt to their specific requirements. So step one, enablers for effective shutdown management. So planned shutdowns are unique events that altogether some are repetitive with cycles ranging from one years to five years are still considered non-routine and are essentially projects that fall within the ISO 21502-2020 definition of projects. Therefore, they should be managed like projects with the necessary enablers to guide, organize, and manage successful shutdown planning and execution. Now let's first talk about management support and leadership. So the support and leadership of management are crucial for the successful planning and execution of shutdowns. And without management support and commitment at the highest level of the organization, the shutdown will be doomed to fail. Now next would be shutdown management process. So the shutdown process is the set of interrelated or interacting activities that transform inputs into outputs. Now it's vital for organizations to develop workflow management for each phase and capture all elements that involve interfaces between departments for information, decisions, endorsements, and deliverables. So organizations must prepare shutdown workflow processes that reflect their actual organizational structures to prevent shortcuts and apply the lessons learned and best practices positively. Now, regarding shutdown organization, having a dedicated team of experienced personnel during planning and execution is essential. An effective shutdown organizational structure, proven by experience, is structured around a shutdown steering committee and a core team of planners led by the head of shutdown planning and a shutdown coordinator. Now, it can vary according to a company's resources, shutdown cycles, and requirements. Now let's look at a long-term shutdown plan. Now, a long-term shutdown plan is necessary to provide a long-term view and roadmap for assessing and planning shutdown opportunities. The long-term shutdown plan should be integrated with the organization's long-term business and production plans, as well as the long-term maintenance and inspection plans. The objectives of the long-term shutdown are to provide an overview of all the types of shutdown opportunities for the next five years, along with their business impacts. Two, define the timing and the probable duration for each shutdown. Three, improve the visibility and management of shutdowns. 
Four, align all stakeholders to focus on drivers and shutdown objectives. And lastly, estimate the budget for each shutdown within plus or minus 30%. So the long-term shutdown plan includes information pertaining to maintenance jobs and projects to be executed once the plan is in shutdown conditions. Now, the long-term shutdown plan is a dynamic plan and should be regularly updated and presented to the shutdown steering committee for review and endorsement. Now, individual shutdown plans are generated from the long-term shutdown plan as each shutdown opportunity is confirmed and more information becomes available. Step two, shutdown initiation. So individual shutdown planning, it should start as early as possible to accommodate anticipated impediments, such as the shutdown scope's magnitude and complexity, the availability of planning resources, the plant's location, and supply chain for spare parts, materials, and services, among a host of other reasons. So each shutdown is assigned a code number and a budget number, and a database is developed to record and track the jobs identified by their work order numbers in the computerized maintenance management system. So the database can be in the plant's computer maintenance management system or CMMS or built on Excel or other suitable applications. Now the drivers that set the critical path and duration of the shutdown vary from plant to plant, but in general, they follow under the following categories. One, project management jobs for compliance with statutory regulations and applicable codes and standards for pressure vessels pressure relief devices, and emergency shutdown devices, among others. Two, project and construction management jobs that require a plant shutdown for their execution. And three, improvement, life extension, and management of change projects. Now, many intentions and expectations determine the success of the shutdown. They can be expressed in terms of measurable indicators such as zero lost time injury, no job to be executed outside the drivers, no extension of duration, budget within 5% to 10%, and no rework, among others. Now, the duration of the shutdown is set according to past experiences, but should be adjusted according to the extent of the scope freeze, the complexity of the jobs, and the critical path. Now, the timing of the shutdown and the set date are based on many factors, primarily the plant's geographical location and weather conditions, to avoid periods and hazards associated with weather conditions like rain, heat, cold, and wind, operational requirements, and production stock levels. There is no defined timeline to start planning and preparation. Some organizations have dedicated planners that work year-round on planning a shutdown. The planning phase can range from 6 months to 24 months before the scheduled shutdown. However, history and how well or poorly the organization performed previous shutdowns will be the reference and measuring stick, as well as considering the vulnerability of supply chains for spares, materials, and services that are dependent on external factors. Step three, scope identification. Now the initial scope of the shutdown is defined by the list of jobs and requests developed by the planner from information obtained from affected departments. To ensure the effectiveness of this exercise, it is essential that the concerned departments assign experienced representatives. The scope identification exercise is the foundation of the shutdown, and it is essential that all stakeholders are aligned to propose and include only jobs that can be performed if the plan is in shutdown condition. The list of jobs should be challenged with due diligence, keeping the shutdown objectives in mind. The sources of the initial list include 1. CMMS database for project and construction management work orders awaiting shutdown. two. 
a list of vessels and pressure safety valves for regulatory and non-regulatory inspections, a list of emergency shutdown devices for testing and certification, number four, inspection and quality assurance, quality control recommendations for the repair of pressure vessels, piping, structures, etc., generated from previous inspection reports and recommendations. Number five, operations requests for passing valves, valves that are hard to operate, and so on. Number six, reliability department recommendations to address bad actors and improvement schemes. And number seven, engineering improvement projects, including MOCs and asset life extension projects. Now, the initial list should provide sufficient information, justifications, documents, and reports to assess scope, duration, costs, and shutdown requirements. Now, to achieve this, the planner should organize kickoff meetings to align the different departments with the shutdown objectives and the initial list, as well as ensure that all concerned departments are consulted and represented. This time frame also includes the opportunity to identify jobs with unusual or complex requirements and jobs with issues like safety risk, logistics, and poor or unclear information, among others. Now, the outcome of this initial scope identification phase is a list of potential jobs that will be proposed to review and for validation. The list is formalized in the shutdown database. Step four, scope validation. This is a decisive step in determining that jobs in the scope cannot be executed without the plant and shutdown conditions. This is also an opportunity to confirm whether the right and experienced people have been involved in the scope identification and screening process. All jobs should be challenged thoroughly with input from operations, engineering, maintenance, and reliability departments. The validation process involves a series of meetings with the shutdown steering committee chaired by the head of planning with the participation of stakeholder representatives. And the objective is to minimize the duration of the shutdown without compromising the objectives of the shutdown list. And the review should address the following. Can we remove the job from the scope without posing any potential risk to safety, production, and environment? Are all jobs on the list justified? Do we need additional information? Are there other alternatives for complex jobs? All meetings should be documented by the planners and the outcome should be used to update the shutdown jobs database, maintaining only the jobs that have been validated and removing those that have not. Step five, risk assessment. The risk assessment targets two types of jobs with the objective to ensure that potential risk are identified and mitigated. For this exercise, the organization can use its own methodology, risk matrix, and risk assessment process. So one, jobs removed during validation. So these include jobs that have no consensus amongst the stakeholders. For these jobs, the identified risk should be communicated to risk owners and stakeholders, allowing for informed decisions and the implementation of recommendations to mitigate the risk. And second is complex jobs. So these jobs require a thorough risk assessment to identify and evaluate the potential risk and put in place mitigations and contingencies in terms of procedures, controls, resources, materials, and equipment to manage and steward the risk. Step six, scope freeze. Scope freeze is a milestone beyond which no new job will be accepted in the shutdown process. For this, the head of shutdown planning and the planners should initiate preparatory meetings with concerned departments to provide and gather information prior to presenting the shutdown steering committee for endorsement. 
The challenges and pressures to add new jobs after the scope freeze target date should not be underestimated. Strict leadership, organizational discipline, and commitment are required by all to comply with this strategy. However, a stringent procedure should be put in place to allow for a review of justifications for late jobs. Late identified potential jobs require validation by the planner prior to presenting the plan to the shutdown steering committee for approval and inclusion in the scope freeze. Step seven, budget validation. Now the budget is refined at the different phases of the planning phase, starting from the original estimate of the long-term shutdown plan to the scope freeze. According to historical data from previous shutdowns, cost of routine jobs for inspection, recertification of pressure vessels, and first-time extraordinary jobs that require procurement and resources. All jobs that may impact the budget should be identified with their cost estimate for materials, labor, and services. Budget and contingencies and a plus or minus percentages at different phases include long-term shutdown plan estimate for each shutdown should be plus or minus 25 to 30%. Scope freeze estimate should be plus minus 15% to 25%. Job packs finalize plus or minus 10% to 15%. And readiness plus or minus 5% to 10%. Once all materials and purchase orders have been issued, and all contracts for labor, services, and logistics are signed and their values are known. Step eight, job pack preparation. So shutdowns planning involves the preparation and development of job packs, including detailed activities, durations, resources, materials, logistics, procedures, and relevant drawings and documents. Job packs are vital to the success of a shutdown and can be prepared using the following approach. Prioritize, develop, and review, and approve. The job pack should be prioritized according to the following criteria. Priority number one, complex jobs that are extraordinary by the nature of their scope or first-time candidates of shutdowns. Priority two, the second category of job packs concerns repetitive jobs. A database is available in the CMMS for task, duration, and the identification of spare parts and consumables. It also includes jobs for regulatory and non-regulatory inspections and jobs for the project management for machinery, electrical, and instrumentation assets. The review of the CMMS data and history will enable personnel to identify material changes and discrepancies with the original drawings and bill of materials. And priority three, so this category involves the jobs that do not require materials to implement and concerns mainly in inspection, calibration, testing and cleaning, among others. Now the expectations are to prepare and develop job packs that contain all the necessary information to carry out the work safely and efficiently with all issues regarding resources, materials and tasks identified and addressed. Whether in a physical or electronic format, the job pack is characterized by the following. One, a list of all safety requirements with identifications of hazards and the necessary precautions to be taken before and during maintenance works. Second, a list of step-by-step -step tasks for all crafts. It should be accurate, complete, and use coherent terminology. Three, an adequate level of detail and consistency, including pre, during, and post shutdown activities. Four, all required materials and spare parts. And lastly, all logistics activities with resources and materials for lifting, scaffolding, insulation, workshops, and special equipment. So 
to determine exactly what should be included in the job pack, develop a checklist or adapt an existing one to ensure that the requirements of the job pack are fully covered. And the planner should distribute the job packs for review and approval by the relevant stakeholders to ensure agreement and compliance with the expectations. The planner is responsible for ensuring that all job packs are endorsed and that all comments are incorporated into the final version. Lastly, step nine, resources. So the following are resources that are needed for shutdowns. First off, materials. All materials required for the shutdown are issued and tracked as per the materials procurement plan, which includes requisitions for stock items, purchase requisitions and orders for non-stock items, and contract requisitions for the purchase of equipment and prefabrication work for projects, among others. The second one is labor. Sourcing, selecting, and hiring the right contractors with the necessary skills and experience for a short-term period of time is one of the most challenging aspects of shutdown planning. One effective approach for the hiring of contractors and labor requires moving from short-term, rigid service-type agreements to long-term partnership agreements. Many options are available and each has its merits and drawbacks. The best option is to work within an extended organizational relationship with one or many contractors specialized in different disciplines. This allows for long-term contractual relationships and advanced form integration. This can be done through multi-annual blanket type contracts with rates for labor, maintenance, equipment, fabrication, and more, and the contractual formalities including the scopes of service, terms and conditions, and contractor responsibilities, those should be detailed to avoid litigations and conflicts. Contracts should be finalized and signed at least three to six months prior to the shutdown start date to allow enough time for labor screening and selection prior to mobilization. And lastly, logistics. So this topic includes the identification of requirements and initiating contracts for hiring materials and land, and providing services in case these resources are not available in-house for lifting, scaffolding, insulation, painting, special equipment, and tools. So finally, planned shutdowns combine complex arrays of processing ranging from safety, maintenance, inspection, operations, and logistics to commercial and contracts. Adopting a step-by-step -step approach and methodology will bolster the effectiveness of shutdown planning and preparation. The planning phase can make or break shutdown execution, and it is in the interest of organizations to act in ways commensurate with the shutdown strategies and objectives. Poor preparation or not fully considering all the steps for thorough shutdown planning may have dire consequences during the shutdown execution phase in terms of safety, duration, and higher production loss and expenditures. Again, we want to thank you for listening to the latest installment of Hydrocarbon Processing's podcast series, The Main Column.